you. It's good to see you this morning, and I'm glad that the Lord brought you out, and you're going to worship with us today. The couple went for marriage counseling, and they got there and began to be in their counseling situation. The counselor realized very quickly he wasn't getting anywhere with with the uh, the husband. He just was making headway with the wife, but the husband just wasn't responsive. So he finally got up and walked around, left his desk, walked around where the couple was and asked the wife to stand. She did. And he planted, the counselor planted a big kiss right on her lips. Looked over at the husband and said, Now, sir, I want to just tell you, that's what she needs every day at this time. He said, Okay, I'll bring her back tomorrow. (laughs) Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. We're going to look at one of those such ladies that we just described in right there. We're actually in this series that we've been looking at, Profound Questions in Scripture. And the profound question that's asked in this passage is asked by the Sadducees, and they're asking Jesus about it, and they're asking about uh, marriage in heaven, marriage after the resurrection. So we're going to be looking at that that theme this morning. Let me share with you this uh, thank you note that we have from the uh, Maxwell, Teresa, and Terry Maxwell. His brother passed away this past week, and We had the funeral. Uh, Thank you for your kindness, visits, cards, and most of all, your prayers, your support gives aid to us in this time of sorrow. May God bless you all, Terry and Teresa Maxwell, family of Barry Buzzy Maxwell. And so thank you, and we'll just continue to pray and lift this family up in the Lord. Matthew chapter number 22 beginning in verse number 23. Would you stand with me, please, for the reading of God's Word this morning as we begin to study in this passage of Scripture. Beginning now in verse 23. The same day the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and asked Him, Teacher, saying, Teacher, Moses said that if a man dies having no children... His brother shall marry his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. That was the Old Testament uh, leveret marriage law that was uh, instituted there in the book of Deuteronomy that a heir, a male heir, needed to be raised up if there were no males in the family. That was huge in that culture at that time. So that's what the question was. Now, there were with us, they said, the the question they're asking Jesus, verse 25. Now, there were with us seven brothers. The first died, and after he had, he married, there was no offspring. And he said to his wife, left left his brother. Likewise, the second also, and the third, all the way through the seventh. Seven brothers married this same woman, but there were no offsprings, no male offsprings. So, verse 27. 
Last of all, the woman also died. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they all had been married to her. Jesus answered and said unto them, You're mistaken, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels of God in heaven. But concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, God is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. And when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. Would you bow with me as we pray? Father, may you bless the reading of your word this morning. May you give us strength now as we try to understand this passage of scripture, as we try, Father, to understand more and more about the resurrection And what our life will be like when we get to heaven. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. And would you be seated, please. Now, as we look at this passage of Scripture, and as we begin to see it and and review it a little bit, there are some things that are very obvious that that, uh, just come out and step out right to us in this passage of Scripture. We see the text and the main thing going on here is that this woman was married to seven different men and they were all brothers. And so the first brother died and then the second brother took her as his wife, the third, fourth, right on down the line. Now remember, this this was part of that culture that the Jews were coming out of. The, uh, The book of Ruth is tells us a lot about that culture of the leveret marriage, that, that you must have a son that's an heir to inherit and keep the family name and all of those things going. So anyway, that's the passage. So we see the Sadducees now are asking Jesus this question. What I want us to understand as we look at this today is several things. First of all, will there be marriage in heaven. Now we're going to answer that question as we go along this morning. A second question we would ask is is this. What will our relationships be like when we get look at this morning is going to help us understand something about what life is going to be like in heaven compared to what we see in our relationships here upon earth. Now as we begin, I want to go back and just sort of review for a moment the Sadducees that we're looking at uh, that asked this question. Because when we understand something about the Sadducees, it's going to help us understand more about Jesus' answer and why Jesus answered the way he did. The Sadducees was a Jewish religious party that controlled the temple In Jesus' day, they were a political party. They were closely related to the Roman government. And so they were blending religion and politics together in this group of the Sadducees. 
one thing about them in particular, they did not believe in the resurrection. So here's a group of people, religious and political in nature, trying to corner Jesus and debate him on the resurrection, but they did not even believe there was a resurrection themselves. They only accepted the first five books of the Bible as being the scripture, as being authoritative. That would be authoritative. That would be the books of Moses. They did not believe the rest of the scripture whatsoever. They also did not believe in the existence of angels. Now, knowing what they believed and didn't believe helps us understand something of what Jesus is going to deal with them on. He's going to call back to them the scriptures and the authority of Moses, which they did believe. He's going to come back in reference to them angels, which they did not believe. And he's also going to silence them on this thought there is no resurrection. And he's going to say, yes, there is a resurrection. And when we are resurrected and we go into heaven, here is what life is going to look like when we get into heaven. Now as we come back to the scripture, there's some things about the resurrection that we learn from Jesus Christ that I want us to notice before we actually dig into the text. First of all, what was resurrection like for Jesus Christ? He had his life on earth with people and his disciples. But then he was buried and he arose from the grave. When he is resurrected, now what does his life look like? How is it different? Well, one thing about the resurrection, resurrection of Jesus Christ is that he was recognized by his friends. People knew him just as they had known him before his resurrection, even though there was very little time lapse between his death and resurrection. They still recognized Jesus after being raised. Jesus could eat food, and he modeled that through the disciples. Jesus could walk through doors after his resurrection. Jesus could change his appearance, for instance, and vanish suddenly out of the sight of those he had been in the presence with. He did that on several occasions. So all of a sudden we see that this resurrected body is going to be very, very different than the earthly body, the physical body that we're living in now. If we're like Jesus in the resurrection, those qualities he had, we will also have ourselves. So all of a sudden now we see, as we begin to think about it, that our life after the resurrection is going to be much different than our life here on earth at this present time. So after the resurrection, we're in heaven, it's going to be a very, very different kind of life. Well, what will my life be like? What will our lives be like in the resurrection, in that resurrected body, and in heaven? What's life going to be like? Well, 
We could look at it this way. First of all, there are five things I'm going to mention quickly to you about this resurrected body, this resurrected life, and this life in heaven. The first one is this. We will keep our personal identity. When you and I die, and then we are resurrected from the grave, when Jesus returns, we're going to keep our personal identity. We will know each other and recognize each other just exactly like we do now. We're not going to be strangers. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 Verse number 12 says this to us. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I have known in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. In the resurrection, when we receive their glorified body, we're going to know each other just exactly like We know each other now. We'll know each other by face. We'll know each other most likely by name. We'll know each other by appearance. We will probably even know each other by the relationships that we had somewhat here upon earth. We will know each other. But there's another word about this resurrected body and this resurrected state that that I think is important for us to see in our text this morning. We no longer will need marriage. There will be no childbearing. And there will be no death in heaven. Now when we look at that one that I just mentioned there. We really are honing in on Jesus' answer to their question. Notice their question again. They're saying to Jesus. Okay, you're saying there's a resurrection. We don't believe there is, but you're saying there is. So we're going to stump you here, Jesus. We've got one. We've got you here. This woman that we're referring to had been married to seven brothers. Now, that's a hypothetical question. I can't imagine something like that happening, but I guess anything's possible, sort of, in our day and time at least, married to seven brothers in a row, and every one of them died. I don't know why guys would keep marrying a woman like that. Do you? But anyway, you you heard about those rings of marriage, didn't you, that you get? Surely you did. You get that engagement ring. And then following the engagement ring, you get the wedding ring. And then following the wedding ring, you get that suffering. You know <laughs> Well, that's what that happened to that lady, I'm sure. I mean, she had suffered down through seven of these guys in this hypothetical question. And so the answer was, okay, Jesus, you say they were going to be resurrected from the grave, okay. Then in the resurrection, whose husband is she going to be? She can't be with all seven of them. Which one is it going to be? And Jesus says, guys, you've got it all wrong. You don't understand heaven and you don't understand the resurrection. Because in heaven, there is no marriage like there was on earth. In heaven, there is not going to be 
childbearing like there was on earth, in heaven we're going to have a whole different life altogether. Now you think about that for a moment. Let's go back and think about the purpose of family life and marriage and childbearing to begin with. We go all the way back to the book of Genesis in chapter 1 and 2 in Genesis and we see God created Adam and Eve. He made them male and female and he said to them, I want you now to multiply and replenish this earth and populate this earth with people. And so the first family was there and they began to multiply. And since that time, life on earth has been like that. It's been a man and a woman. We get married. We have children. And that goes on and on throughout our existence here on earth. But friend, listen to me for a moment. Earth and earthly life as we know it does not continue on through eternity in heaven. There's going to be a change. Now the Bible says for those of us that love earth, we like it just like it is. We like family just like it is. and We're sort of spared many of the heartaches that some people around the world have to experience. Our life here has been relatively calm and easy in the United States of America compared to families across the world. There are families and there are people across the world that will be extremely delighted to find out that heaven is not going to be a microcosm of earth, my friend. Because earth to them is like a hell in many places in this world and what they suffer through. But you see, when we get to heaven, it's not going to be a repeat of earth. It's going to be higher and greater. We are under a curse here on planet earth because of sin and the fall. But when we get to heaven, there's no curse there. And it's going to be total victory in heaven. And life is going to be totally different in heaven and totally different for a good reason meaning a good thing. The Bible says, I has not seen nor entered into the heart of man the things that God has in store in heaven and in the future for those that love Him. And I'm so thankful for that. No longer in heaven a need for childbearing. There will be no death. There will be no need of marriage. Does that mean I won't know my wife and she won't know me? Well, sure I'll know her. Sure she'll know me. Sure I'll know my kids. But listen to me, friend. That family unit as we've known is going to be changed. It's going to be changed and it's going to be much better and different when we get to heaven. When we get to heaven, my wife is not going to be the wife of Joel Wood. She's going to be, with all of us, the bride of Christ. Isn't it interesting in Scripture that the Bible refers to believers, those that have been saved, doesn't matter what color of skin you have, doesn't matter what part of the world you live in, doesn't matter our economic background or wherever, but all of us corporately together who are believers are known in Scripture as the bride of Christ. 
And boy, that is a powerful major teaching in the New Testament. The only wedding and marriage going to be in heaven is at the bride of Christ that's married to the groom, Jesus Christ, the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world that has given us everlasting life. There's something else in this passage that is extremely important. This is number four in this list that I'm giving you. Jesus said that in heaven we will be higher than the angels. Now listen to it a moment again what Jesus said. Uh, If I can find it here in the scripture, well, here it is in verse 30. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage but are like the angels. Now what he means by that is Like the angels. The angels don't marry. There's not male and female angels. And they get married and have little bitty angels come along. That's not how that works. God created all the angels. And the angels are created. They're they're not male and female. They're angels. And so he says when we get to heaven. We're going to be like the angels in heaven. And what he's talking about there, it's not what you see on Facebook, friend, when there's a picture of someone who's passed away and they've all of a sudden grown angel wings and they say, happy birthday up in heaven to my angel that's already there and show pictures of wings. Man, get, don't do any of that, folks. Don't go get into that. That's, that's so wrong. That, that just shows you have no idea what the scripture talks about when you do that kind of stuff and your friends do it on Facebook. You're just, just totally out of, out of sync with what the Word of God says. What the Word of God says is we were, are like the angels. Not that we become an angel with wings. We are like them in relationship to our relationships on earth. And the fact that we're no longer male, female, man, wife, children, having babies and all of those kinds of things. We are like the angels, but we are higher than the angels according to the scripture. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews chapter 1 that we're higher than the angels. The angels actually are sent from heaven to earth to minister to us and to meet our needs. The book of Revelation in the first uh, chapter 4 and 5 and 6 gives the scenes in heaven of us as the redeemed singing worthy as the lamb and the angels do not join in and help us sing because they have never been redeemed. A fallen angel that has rejected Christ and rejected God back there in the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament that fell and became demons following the devil cannot be restored to their relationship to God. They are eternal lost forever. But you and I have been saved. We can be saved when we surrender our life to the Lord Jesus. So in those sense, we're like the angels. Number five, and we're coming close to the end here. What will it be like in the resurrection and when we all get to heaven? We will be like Jesus in glorified bodies. When Jesus was on earth, he was in a body of flesh, just like the one you have right now. It grew old. It suffered. It felt pain. It was tempted just like your body that you're in right now. He was tempted at all points as we are, yet without sin, the scripture says. But when Jesus died, they took that old human fleshly body off the cross. They put it in a tomb. 
And three days later, that tomb, Jesus was resurrected out of that tomb. But he did not come out of the tomb in an old earthly, fleshly body of the earth. He came out of that tomb in a heavenly, glorified body prepared for all eternity. It looked like him. You could recognize him. He was recognizable. But the heavenly glorified body is an eternal body that will last throughout eternity. But it'll look like you. We'll know you. I mean, God will make some improvements on us. Surely, won't he? We won't, we'll, we'll be looking a whole lot better than we look now. But we'll sure, surely recognize one another. Listen. 1 John 3, 2 says these words. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. When you and I are resurrected and we see Jesus, we're going to be in a glorified body just like His glorified body. Now I want to go and just sort of wrap all of this up for a moment. I want you to turn with me to the book of Revelation, if you will, please. Turn over to chapter number 21. I want to show us something in Revelation within the context of this sermon that we're looking at about marriage in heaven. What will it be like in heaven? I want us to see this scripture in Revelation within within that context. I will say it again. When we get to heaven, I don't think that our relationships that were on earth are going to need to be carried over into heaven. In other words, my son and daughter, what will they be in heaven? My wife, my mom and dad, what is all of this going to look like in heaven? Are we going to have that little family circle gathered around over in our little nook of heaven and we'll just be over there with our little clan and our little crew? I think, my, my friend, that is earthly thinking about heaven. We might feel comfortable to think that way. That might give us some encouragement to think that way. But it's not biblical truth thinking. When we get to heaven, we have to understand, and I mean for the betterment, not for lacking. If you don't think heaven is going to be better than earth, I don't know why you'd even want to go there. If we don't understand that there are so many limitations here that are going to be removed and that life is going to be so much greater, so much grander, so much better in heaven, then we're not understanding the Jesus we, we say that we have committed and surrendered our life to because when we get to heaven, these relationships are going to change somewhat. We're going to love and it's going to be powerful to be there with everybody. All of the people of God. All of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And every person that has ever lived. From the start of Adam and Eve to the very end. The last person who gets saved before Jesus returns. All of the humanity put together who know Christ and are the people of God. We're all going to be be united together in Christ and we're going to serve Him. Jesus Christ is the centerpiece of heaven. 
Not you, not me, not my mom, not your dad, not any of our kids. The centerpiece in heaven is going to be the Lord Jesus Christ. Now look at this passage in Revelation 21, verse 1. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. Now all of a sudden right there we see a major difference is happening here when it comes to going to heaven. A new heaven, a new earth, a new heaven and a new earth. So friend, listen, this whole earth we're on, it's going to be gone. There's going to be a new earth. There's going to be a new heaven. It's coming down, John said, verse 2. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. There's the marriage in heaven. There's the emphasis of heaven. Uh, We, the people of God, are going to be adorned in our white robes. And this is symbolic, of course. Symbolic of us being clothed in our white robes, the righteousness of Jesus, and we'll be presented to the Lamb of God, our Savior, Jesus, who we've committed our life to. We're His bride, and there we are. He has redeemed us. And all all of that ties back into this leveret marriage that we could see all through the Old Testament. Notice verse 3. I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be their God. You see, in heaven it's two things. It's the people and Christ. It's the people and God. God is God alone. We the people, and we are his children, and we see it right there. Verse 4, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more. Now watch this closely. There will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. This next phrase is key. For the former things have been passed away. You see, friend, what we've known on earth is going to be gone. What we've seen on earth is going to be gone. What brought us peace and joy and fulfillment and happiness and fun on earth, that's going to be gone. I hear these folks thinking, man, I can't wait to get heaven and play golf on one of those heavenly golf courses. I mean, I bet you can hit a ball a long way up there. I bet the greens are so plush. My friend, listen, that, that's, not, not, that's not correct thinking. Don't think about hunting and fishing in heaven. Don't think about playing golf in heaven. Don't think about driving that nice, beautiful car you always wished you had gotten when you get to heaven. My friend, that, that's, that's taking what we have on earth and in our own feeble mind thinking, now that must be what heaven's going to be like. But I'm telling you, friend, that's not what heaven's going to be like. We need to understand that this earth It's going to be gone. This earth is passing away. And God says, for the former things are passed away. I'm making all things new. And I'm just telling you, friend, when you get to heaven, earth will pale in comparison. What we've done on earth will pale in comparison with what heaven is going to be like. I really believe that that's why Jesus wept 
When he raised Lazarus from the grave, who had been dead for four days, the scripture says that Jesus wept, and then he raised Lazarus from the grave, and Lazarus came walking out of that tomb in his grave clothes, and I believe Jesus' heart yearned and hurted for the fact. I'm having to call Lazarus back out of that place called heaven and bring him back to this old earth where there has been a curse upon it. And I believe, friend, we need to understand heaven is beyond anything we can imagine. We'll be happy. We'll be fulfilled. Jesus said in John 14, 1, I'm going to prepare a place for you and I'm coming again to receive you and bring you to myself. I believe heaven is going to be greater and grander than anything we could ever know. Here's how great we have a glimpse of how great heaven is. The apostle Paul went to heaven and came back. And you read about it over in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And he says, I do not have words to describe what heaven is and what heaven was like. He couldn't describe it. He knew nobody could understand it. We just trust God. The next time you pick up a book of somebody who went to heaven and came back and wrote about it, take it and throw it in the garbage before you even open it and read it. Because, friend, they're not telling you the truth because they don't know. If God is not going to let the Apostle Paul describe heaven, he sure isn't going to let Jane Doe or John Doe describe it living in our world today because Paul was writing scripture. Let heaven be that place that you dream about. And friend, it's going to be far more than you could ever imagine or ever dream. Well, verse chapter 22, we're going to close. Look at verse 3 for a moment. There shall be no curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it. You see, this earth's a curse, and everything on this earth has been cursed. No curse in heaven. All that curse is going to be gone. The Lamb shall be in it. His servants, that's you and I, the bride of Christ, will serve Him. They shall see His face. His name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there, no nighttime. There will be no sun, S-U-N, in heaven. Because the S-O-N is going to be the light of heaven. For the Lord gives them light and they shall reign forever and ever. My friend, what a place heaven is going to be. Here's the old Sadducees who didn't even believe in the resurrection. Didn't even believe in angels. Trying to make religion a political statement of their day. Thought they had Jesus trapped and had him messed up. And all of a sudden Jesus steps forth and he answers their question in a way that gives us clarity about our future in heaven with the Lord. The Bible says everybody that heard him were astonished at his answers. I am too, aren't you? What a wonderful Savior he is. Let's bow together if we could close for a moment in prayer. 
We're going to sing our invitation in just a moment. And if God is speaking to your heart today, would you come and make your decision for Christ? This altar is open for you to come. A place of prayer. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior and Lord, we would invite you to come today and give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. If there's other decisions that you want to make for Christ, would you come this morning as we sing our invitation hymn? Lord, thank you for your goodness to us and all of your blessings and all of the great things you're doing in our hearts and our lives. May we be touched and changed and moved this day. May people respond as you've spoken to their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me as we sing together?